Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, we have a trade to discuss. We have multiple trades to discuss for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we were hoping at this juncture to be able to be discussing Jacob Chikrin. I was hoping for Max Domi. I know there were people out there that were hoping for Tyler Bertuzzi on an outside chance. Even JT Miller at this point would be an improvement on what we got. And the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Mikhail Granlund. And we will be talking about that extensively. But we have a lot to talk about based on simply what happened yesterday between the time we got off the air with Rob Rossi of The Athletic. Go check out that interview. Most of it is still making sense. Like most of it is still works. Great interview. Rob Ross is one of the best in the business. You can't go wrong with just listening to what he has to say. And mm-hmm. we did discuss the upcoming trade deadline, some things that might still be in the cards, but also we discussed a lot of things uh, regarding the future of this team and the future of Ron Hextall and this ownership group. So we'll, it, it's a, it's a worth it's worth the listen regardless. Yeah, definitely go check that out, our conversation with Rob. But after that and up to now, there has been so much that has happened, and we're going to go – in sequential order here in the first segment, starting with the fact that Brock McGinn and Mark Friedman both cleared waivers as of 2 p.m. yesterday. That opens up all of Friedman's $775,000 cap hit and just over $1.1 million of Brock McGinn's contract as the rest turns into dead cap and he gets sent down to AHL Wilkes-Barre. No one bails out the Penguins for a second time, Horwat. Did you expect anything different? Uh... No, I don't think so. Uh, Friedman, well, was fully expected, sent to the minors. Um, McGinn, I, I feel like McGinn maybe could have made sense for someone. I don't know. There's a lot of very not smart GMs out there that, much like Kapanen, maybe would have taken a chance at, hey, he's a name. I certain. I, I mean, I, I wasn't. I would have been surprised by either by either direction, I think. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't surprised to see that he got sent straight through. Um, but I think otherwise, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised by either, by either way. Not shocked uh, Freed made it through. I thought there was an outside chance yeah, like that, that somebody outside... wanted either of those guys. But considering the time of year, 
I didn't think anybody was going to go out there and try to obtain, especially Brock McGinn, because who wants to just add $2.75 million in salary cap space right now? Like, who wants to add that? Nobody. People are trying to shed cap to make moves for players that have actually been performing better and are on the market now, whereas they weren't two, three months ago. So I was not shocked at all that both of them cleared because how many times can you get bailed out as a general manager with bad contracts? Now, Friedman is a different case, but also a lot of these teams have what they want on defense. And Friedman, although an NHL caliber defenseman, is not somebody that upgrades someone's blue line that drastically, especially if they're still in an NHL Stanley Cup playoffs race. Whereas, you know, McGinn... His contract, I, I thought, was just too much. So not surprised that both of those guys cleared. And then four hours later, the craziness really started to click up a notch. Jacob Chickering gets traded to the Ottawa Senators at around 6 p.m. last night. I'm, I'm literally getting in my car to go to dinner, mm -hmm. and I see that that trade, go <clears throat> that trade goes through. And I, the entire drive there, I'm pissed off. Yeah, that, that, it kind of ruined your night, didn't it? Oh, and yeah, immediately. And just, just just you wait, because it got worse in, in two hours or four hours from then. But the real surprise was the return, because we talked about it extensively on this show. Jacob Chikrin, there was a reason that he and Timo Meyer were the prize of this trade deadline period. Chikrin, 24 years old, he is a left-shot defenseman that is a bona fide top-pairing defenseman under team control for the next two seasons at a modest cap hit of $4.5 or $4.6 million, I should say, goes to the Senators. Good move for them. They get a, they get an A-plus on the trade scale from me because the return is what is ridiculous. Everybody was expecting the return to be at least two first-round picks and then more. Jacob Chikrin ended up fetching a... First round pick in 2023 that is top five protected for the Ottawa Senators. A second round pick in 2024 and a second round pick in 2026. That is so far below what everybody was expecting for Jacob Chikrin. And it comes out and reportedly that the big hang up between the Penguins and the Coyotes for this deal was that the Coyotes were looking to trade Chikrin without taking any salary back. For whatever reason, don't don't ask me why salary for the rest of the year where you're tanking and also not close to the salary cap in, in Arizona's instance, why that matters all that much. But it does at the end of the day. So what, no need to really discuss that. And at the end of the day, the Penguins just could not clear enough salary cap fast enough to get Jacob Chikrin on their roster. Yeah, I think maybe part of Arizona not wanting to take on salary could be uh, maybe the team quite literally cannot afford it because we see how they're being operated. You know, they're playing in a college venue. I call them the Phoenix Coyotes half on accident all the time. They're, they're not a great organization right now. Um, and who knows? Like Maybe they didn't want to take salary on because they quite literally can't afford it. But that being said, they also did just trade or sorry, not trade. They did just become a broker in the Patrick Kane deal. So who knows exactly what's going on over there? Even yeah. though it is for a year. I don't know. Brian Dumont also has a year left on his deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's still something that 
Ron Hextall absolutely should have been firing away at. Yeah. Just sending caution to the wind with uh, with a player who, by the way, has already shown up and ready and is ready to play in Ottawa. Yeah. Or in New York with Ottawa, which, yeah. by the way, Patrick Kane and Jacob Chick are both making their uh, new team debuts against each other. That is must-see TV, apparently, whereas the Penguins are going to have, maybe have, uh, we'll get to the We'll get to the big pop later, but ah, uh, man, that, that's something that, uh, yeah, Ron Hextall should have been all over. Fire a first round pick into that. Fire mm-hmm. a second round pick. Fire a third. Do what you got to do. I know I kind of badmouthed uh, Breezewall the other day for uh, his move with the Lightning. I would have liked to have seen it from Ron at least, because mm-hmm. you know what that at least you know what that at least shows you have faith in your team that you have are putting in some effort for a player that you want, and that you are. Also backing up your coach because apparently he's the one that wants him that wanted him more anyway. Mm-hmm. Nope, sent all of that to the fire. Yeah, and I wanted to double check before saying something, continuing to perpetuate it on this podcast. Wanted to make sure Arizona did have cap space. As of now, after the chicken trade, they have seventeen million dollars in salary cap space, so they had the room. I don't know why they didn't want to take any salary back unless it was potentially players that had years remaining on their contract and not pending unrestricted or restricted free agents. But again, regardless of why, the fact is that's what they wanted. Ottawa could oblige. Pittsburgh could not because Friedman and McGinn clear waivers. McGinn's half of McGinn's salary stays on the Penguins salary cap, basically. And the Penguins just didn't have the salary cap space to just take on the chicken contract at that time. Now, about three hours later, 7.12 p.m., the Penguins did have the salary cap space because they traded away Teddy Bluger to the Vegas Golden Knights in return for a 2024 third-round pick and defenseman Peter Deliberator, or Deliberator, or we'll, whatever. We'll learn how to say his name eventually. He, he liberated the Penguins from Teddy Bluger's $2.2 million of cap space. That's all I know. And unfortunately, it was not soon enough for the Penguins to acquire Jacob Chikrin. But after that deal, which we'll talk about more, the Penguins had $6.1 million in space. So when that happened, you said, okay, he's still fishing for a big fish. Who is it going to be? And we'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about this Teddy Bluger trade first. What did you think of giving up on Teddy Bluger and sending him to Vegas? I'm shocked that it was just for a pick. I'm shocked that it really was just a cap dump. I'm a little surprised by that. I'm surprised we didn't look at Teddy Bluger's defensive analytics and go, we can get something for that. Nope. We got it for a pick. I would have liked to get something for Bluger more than a pick. Um, But I get it. Offense sells in this league. Defense really doesn't. Especially in Vegas. Defense does not sell in that town. Um, He might bring a little something to Vegas that I've, you know, I haven't looked into any of, you know, Vegas's situation. Doesn't look phenomenal i don't know but um he might be able to help them that being said i'm shocked we didn't get anything back for him that could help us right now uh i'm not i mean you that was the purpose of that trade what you got was the 2.2 million dollars in cap space yeah and i know it was i just am of the mindset that if you would have told me heading into this season that we would be trading away teddy bluger i'd be like oh that makes sense what what did we get in return expecting because teddy bluger's a phenomenal defensive-minded player that he would have been able to fetch something. Good penalty killer. Good penalty killer. He's Yeah, he can do plenty of things. It's just no offense. Uh, third round pick. 
Oh, how much trouble are we in? <laughs> and a and a ECHL defender, by the way. Yeah, I, I genuinely would have asked, how much trouble are we in? And I'm getting my answer, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, when they made this deal, I looked at it and I said, okay, well, Teddy Bluger was one of their only real valuable trade chips that they can get rid of, of cap space. But you look at it again and say, okay, it's $2.2 million. We're not retaining any if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. It leaves the door open to go out and make another move. Now, I know Chickren was the prize, but there are still other prizes on the market that could boost this Penguins roster. Uh, and again, we'll get to what they ended up doing in a second. Uh, that ends Teddy Bluger's 11-year tenure in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization as he was a, originally a draft pick uh, by the Pens back in the early 2010s. Five years at the NHL level, 250 games played, 92 points, 33 of them goals. But this season, none of that offense really, really came through. 45 games for Bluger, 12 points, two of them being goals. That's a not a great way to go out. No. And that's it's partially not. why I think you look at the fact that they didn't get anybody back. It's because Teddy Bluger doesn't really deserve to have an NHL player come back for him in that instance. Yeah. Like yeah, getting the $2.2 million was the best case scenario, plus some draft capital, like a little bit of draft capital. And a third round pick, I think, borders on that being actually valuable versus this is just, I mean, it, it's magic beans regardless, but it's less so magic beans because it's a third rounder, despite Rob also telling us yesterday that those picks aren't valued as highly as they used to be. And I understand why, and I agree with it. And Julian Breeswell just said to hell with him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I get it. It's, you picked up what you could for the season he's having. Like, it, like I said before though, it's, it's, if you would have told me going into the season, we're trading with Teddy Bluger, I'd have been mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. What, what kind of, what, what, what package are we getting? Because he's that he was that kind of player, yeah. And it, it just the season he's having did not help him, and that's kind of where that all came from. That being said, though, um, that 2012 draft class was a hell of a draft class for the Penguins. Yeah, you know, Derek Pouliot aside, <laughs> it was <laughs> a it was a great run from uh, each of those each of those picks. I mean, Pouliot got NHL time both here and in Vancouver, and I believe another team that I'm missing. Uh, without looking, I think Matt Murray was in it. I remember, obviously Teddy Bluger. I believe Olimata was the other first round pick. Uh, I know they had two first rounders in 2012, but I can't remember if it was Olimata in that draft. But I mean, he just signed a nice extension with the Detroit Red Wings, so good on Olimata. But regardless, uh, what that leaves you with if you're the Penguins is Ryan Paling ready to step in as the Penguins' fourth-line center. And I honestly think that that is a shrewd move because there was not much of a difference between Paling and Bluger. I actually think Paling's been a better of the two this season. He's four years younger at 24 years old. He's cheaper at $725,000. You have more team control with him. He's an RFA after the season. And like we said, he's performed better this year. So it's a shrewd move by Ron Hextall to clear out cap space and to open up a lane for the returning Ryan Paling. At least that's what the Penguins hope tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, and uh, that was the assumption. Everyone believes that he's better. By the way, it's not even not much of a secret anymore that Ryan Paling has outperformed Teddy Bluger this year in a couple of different ways. I mean, we saw it whenever Teddy Bluger started the season injured and didn't play until November, I think. Mm. Um, It was Ryan Paling that stepped into that role and did a pretty good job of it. So, I mean, the writing was pretty much on the wall then that Teddy Bluger could just easily become trade fodder. Mm. And really, if you wanted wanted to 
fetch a bigger return than just a third round pick. Time to trade him would have been back then, but Ryan Paling also has been injured to hell and back since then. So, eh, welcome to the Penguins. Yeah, you hope that Ryan Paling can get in the lineup and stay in the lineup on a consistent basis because he has been better. I think he's miles, miles better offensively. Defensively, it's a closer competition. I would say that Teddy Bluger has the edge on that. But at the same time, when you're miles better offensively and the, and the discrepancy is so little on the defensive side of the puck, you got to go with Ryan Paling in that situation. Not to mention, you know, like I said, four years younger, cheaper, and better team control. So uh, good good move there on Ron Hextall's part. A very minor move on Ron Hextall's part. And uh, a little too little too late for, for Jacob Chikrin. But who they were able to get at 8.15 last night with all their $6.1 million of cap space was Mikhail Granlund of the Nashville Predators. We'll talk about that more in the entire second segment here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky, that's Nick Horwat, and the Pittsburgh Penguins went out and got their guy last night at 8.15. Penguins Twitter blew up with the news that the Penguins have acquired Mikhail Granlund of the Nashville Predators in exchange for a 2023 second round it's going to cost the Penguins $5 million, not only this season salary cap space, but for the next two seasons for a 31-year-old that plays both the center and the right wing. Horwat, what are your initial reactions before we dive deeper into this on Mikhail Granlin to the Penguins? Uh, I mean, at first, my first genuine thought was it's better than JT Miller, mostly because of the contract. Uh, well, okay, go ahead. Keep going. But then I let Twitter talk me into hating it. Yeah. And uh, rightfully so, I believe. Um, the metrics don't look good. The numbers are what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, the, the, the one thing we have to be careful of here is running into blaming the player for anything that's happening here. I agree. We, we cannot badmouth Mikel Granlund. He's doing what he can. He's a former 20, 20 goal scorer. Two times, actually. He's, mm -hmm. you know, if you would have told me a couple years ago. Yeah. We traded for Mikel Granlund. Our break. Come on down. Back in 2018-19 when he was on the trade block in Minnesota as he was playing on a line with Jason Zucker, I wanted Mikel Granlund. I was like, yeah, you know what? Mikel Granlund would be a great addition for the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2018-19. Obviously, his numbers have dipped since then, not to mention he's four or five years older. He's now 31 years old, and he's starting to slow down physically as well. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. That'll yeah. happen. He's a he's a hell of a puck mover, it seems he's turned into. He used to be a good goal scorer. Now he's turned into a phenomenal playmaker, which mm -hmm. is a start for the bottom six, right? It's something. It is a little bit of offense to kind of give, give mm -hmm. certain guys a push. 
I mean, he is he literally last year he had sixty four points, fifty three of them being assists. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? That's not bad. Like yeah, said, and, and this year he has more points than any Penguins bottom six player already. Exactly. So it's already an improvement on the ice. Then you get into the books. Yeah. Oh, then you get into the books. Um, I'm excited. I'm kind of excited to see what Cal Granley can do on the ice, but I'm not excited to see what this contract does for the Penguins for the next, this year, next year, and mm. the year after. Yeah. $5 million because now he's making uh, Ricard Raquel money. He's making Brian Rust money. Mm-hmm. He's making half a million under Jason Zucker money. I mean, Jacob Puntori just put a great piece out on uh, Inside the Penguins about how the core deserved better from Ron Hextall. Mm-hmm. And he had a line in there that made me think, what does this do with Jason Zucker's future here? Yeah. Does it all but shove him out the door? Um, is Zucker going to be okay with making about the same amount of money? Because guess what? We can't increase. We cannot increase. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the way the metrics look on Grandland this year, with the pieces that could have been acquired instead Mm-hmm. This is a uh, not a good look. You you got all that cap space, all mm-hmm. of it, six million dollars, the most this team has seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, most this team has seen mid season in a long time. We've seen it in the off season, but everyone has in the off season. Yeah, whenever ten contracts drop off your your roster, that happens. Yeah, this is probably the most in season money the Penguins have had since maybe twenty twelve during like right before that draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the contracts looked like then. Then you went and set it immediately on fire mm-hmm. with, again, I'm not blaming the player, but with a contract that doesn't look great. It literally took less than two hours for Ron to spend that cap money in, in a not so great way. And, and here's the thing. Nothing against Mikhail Granlin. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see what he's able to do too. Yeah. I mean, it's a change of scenery for the guy. You notice that his, his offensive production went down and dipped when he went to Nashville, which historically has been considered a defense-first team. They've always built from the back end out. So maybe coming to the Penguins, a team that values the offensive side of the puck a little bit more than Nashville historically, maybe he turns it around, maybe he becomes an offensive force once again at the age of 31. That's great. This is not the blonde depth forward that I wanted to see the Penguins get this week. I wanted them to bring up Nylander, who scored Wednesday for Wilkes-Barre. That's the blonde depth forward I wanted. Because he is much cheaper than $5 million of Mikhail Granlin. He's also much younger than $5 million of Mikhail Granlin. So again, nothing against the player. There's several pros, and I already mentioned some of them. Change of scenery might be a great help. New blood in the bottom six was much needed regardless of who it is. He has some of that foot speed left. I've seen a lot of people say that he's slow, he's old. I get that he's not as fast as he used to be, but by no means is he slow. If he's playing next to Jeff Carter, it's going to seem like he's much faster. Now, he's not a burner. He's not Kasperi Kapanen. He's not a burner. But he does have some foot speed. He does have pace to his game. So let's not go out there and bury the guy before he even steps foot on the ice in a Penguins uniform. I think there are pros to this. But the cons, like you said, are all really, really bad cons. He doesn't play defense. So you're basically getting Danton Hine in part two. He also has a $5 million contract, and the biggest thing for me is it's $5 million for the next two seasons for a guy that is over the age of 31 already, and he has been steadily declining over the past three seasons. 
the player is not worth that money. The fact that you couldn't get Nashville to retain any of that salary is horrendous. And we'll get to Ron Hextall more later in the show. But the fact that, yes, it's a second-round pick for one asset, and at the end of the day, it's not a bad return that you're giving up. You completely took yourself off the board for so much else that you could have done here in the next 30 hours. He... The Penguins had a list of boxes that needed to be checked this trade deadline, right? Mm -hmm. They did. They needed... And that, that list grew and shrunk as the year went on. The one consistent, for sure, was getting some bottom six help. Um, the other boxes, you know, included backup goalie, top-line defenseman, mm. uh, maybe another scoring winger for the top six to kind of funnel down people into the bottom. Um, he checked one of those boxes, and that was bottom six help. But he kind of half-checked it because it's an aging 31-year-old Mikhail Granlund who makes a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um and that's it. And then you just buried the rest of the chances of anything. It's mm-hmm. far less than ideal. I, I think we got ourselves hyped up over, hey, we're involved in Jacob Chickren because Mike Sullivan wants him too. All right. Then you see the return. Goes to Ottawa, who, by the way, is a scary team now. Um, They've been a scary team. They just need to put it together. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe find a goalie. top-notch goalie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Should have kept Gustafson. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, But then you see the return. Mike Sullivan cannot be happy about that, by the way. No. No. uh, He he can't. And I have a theory about Sullivan. Stick around to the last segment for me to to hear what I have on that. But the the cap hit, it's not as much this season. Because whatever you can make to fix this season is whatever you can make to fix this season. But like I said, two more years, that handcuffs what you can do this offseason now, too. Like you mentioned, Jacob wrote about it. Where does that leave Jason Zucker, who has been very good for this Pittsburgh Penguins team this season? Where does that leave Tristan Jari, who's going to need an extension this summer? Talked about does that with Rob yesterday. Exactly. Where does that leave the defense, which is going to need restructured this summer? What do you do on the left side? They don't have a number one defenseman on the left side. You lost out on Chikrin. There's no way you're going to get one this season, so you have to address that in the offseason, and it's not going to be cheap you handcuffed yourself for this offseason and the next on a contract that nobody else is going to be stupid to take unless you give them your first-round pick. And Ron Hextall has said he doesn't want to do that. Now, will the next general manager that comes in want to do that? Maybe. But again, that is an asset that is being lost to get rid of another negative asset. I believe the market value on Dom Lecision and Shayna Goldman's uh, player cards for the Athletic is $1.5 million. The man makes $5 million. It's another... It's another negative asset contract on the Pittsburgh Penguins books. And I hate to do this because we've been talking for we've been talking for 10 minutes and it feels like 90% of it is us bashing on the player, but really it's just bashing on the situation. Okay? So I want to make sure that we started it with this. I want to make sure we end it with this. I'm excited to see what Mikhail Granlin can do on the ice. I don't want him to feel like everybody's against him because it seems it seems like everybody is. But the main thing to look at is what was trending yesterday. Was it, oh my God, screw Granlin? No, it's fire <laughs> Hextall for a reason. Because that is a horrid contract and a horrid situation. And now Granlin has to go out there and try to make the best of it. I hope it doesn't affect his play on the ice. Because he's already going to be fighting an uphill battle coming onto a team that needs the world from him because he's not getting any other help. I don't 
I, I hope that uh, he at least comes into this with some drive, with some effort. Mm-hmm. He can be a productive player. He can be a good addition to this team. Let's just be honest. In terms of on-ice performance, he can mm-hmm. be an addition to this team. Yeah. Right? He absolutely can be. He's a year removed from a 64-point campaign. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved a 60-point player in our bottom six all season. Yeah. You know? What, it, wouldn't you? You told you tell me he does. Uh, Ron Hextall makes this move in the off season. I mean, I'm still curious about that cap hit. But hey, hey, we got to look at the season he just had: 64 points, 50 plus assists. Mm-hmm. Throw that in the bottom six. I forget where we all stood on Carter heading into the off season, but I don't think it was a great place. No, maybe he. <laughs> it rejuvenate. was not. I mean, it wasn't a great place, but we were taught. We I think there were still discussions of hey he. Finishes out these two years, he's got a hell of a career under his belt. I, we, we bring in Mikel Granlin in this past offseason. We go, hey, you know what? Maybe he does something to kind of rejuvenate Carter for the final two years of his career that we're stuck with. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Let's kind of try and push that mindset a little bit here with the player. Yeah. With the contract and with the general manager. Whatever you said, whoever the next general manager of this is of this team, my mind immediately went to our post-recording uh, conversation that we had. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, which I hey, you know what? It might be fun to throw onto a recording one day because that uh, that's a hilarious theory, but a lot needs to happen first. Uh, yeah. Um, that being said, it's I like like you said too. I'm excited to see what Granlin can do. I am. Like I, you told me a couple years ago, he's on the uh, trade board for the Penguins. Absolutely. That yeah. sounds like a player that can do something. Mm-hmm. What it feels like now though, is with the declining play with the increasing age and with that cap number it turns into kind of the way <clears throat> i looked at this team a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. when ron hextall said we like our team on paper Mikel mm-hmm. granlin on paper is a good look Great yeah look, he's, right? a, he's a proven you, nhl player that can can produce in the bottom six yep and guess what this still very much is just a paper move i saw a tweet i forget who tweeted it but it was a quote from uh chris mack on the morning on the fan morning show that (laughs) um ron hextall shuffling deck chairs on the titanic but also making it five million dollars more expensive and old yeah i believe somebody from the athletic it might have been yoey also said he's it's impressive because he's both shuffling deck chairs on the titanic and is the iceberg at the same exact time i also saw uh it's like going to a steakhouse and ordering the pork chops. Yes, a lot of great metaphors <laughs> from 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 everybody. You know, it's it's been it's been very entertaining uh, the fallout of this, although, albeit very negative. Uh, yeah, but uh, and it's at least it's all geared toward Hextall, and <laughs> yeah, we can, and not the player. Yeah, it's as it should be. Yeah, it's truly baffling. Uh, what came of the last? few days a couple of Mm -hmm. hours um it's not exciting Mm -hmm. uh and man uh this we're it's nine in the morning and uh people are still upset yeah people are going to be upset about this for for a while uh maybe if the penguins go out there and get a win tonight against tampa bay it tempers tempers the uh the anger of the fan base but uh i don't think it's going to temper anytime really soon uh or at least completely go away cup first home game march 7th against columbus they better hope they win every game between now and then. Oh man, they better hope Granlin gets like two goals. Does 
a couple of goals, maybe a couple of assists, maybe one more move gets made, then that player does something productive before they get back home and have to play one of the worst teams in the league against what I'm going to assume is 18,000 plus because people say attendance numbers are down. Last few games have been pretty well attended. Once you get towards the end of the season and people can see where the Penguins lie, a lot more people want to see it. Plus, it's springtime's coming around. You're you're far away from Christmas where that drains everybody's bank accounts anyway. And prices, let's not lie, prices have gone down on tickets. That's definitely a thing. If I you, haven't checked. If, if you find them, I found them on Vivid Seats, which no free ads, but I've as, I've seen some very cheap on, on that app. As someone who works in a box office, not the PPG Paints box office, I don't know how all that works. Uh, we highly recommend you don't use outside people just in case. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, you know, if they're cheap on there and they're real tickets, if, damn. If is good. If exactly. is good. If is good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying go use that because I, you know, I've only used it once and it worked out for me, but that is a little bit of a roulette wheel when you go to a third-party source. A um, couple other things before we quickly move on and just talk about where the Penguins are at as a whole with the trade deadline still impending. The Penguins are continuing to get older. We mentioned Granlin is 31. There are three players that the Penguins have dismissed in the last week, either by trade or by waivers. Kasperi Kapanen, 26 years old. Teddy Bluger, 28 years old. Brock McGinn, 29 years old. And, of course, Granlin coming in at 31. Certainly does not help out your your average age of being the oldest team in the National Hockey League. That's one thing. But the other positive thing I want to mention, normally it takes forwards longer to regress than defensemen. So we've seen Granlin begin that process a little bit, but maybe that change of scenery switches things around, and that regression takes a pause and slows down. And you see Granlin, as we've mentioned several times throughout this segment, you see Granlin pick the pace back up and become a really good bottom six piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That cap hit's never going to get better, but the player could get better, and that's what you have to look at if you're a Penguins fan. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what's left for the Pittsburgh Penguins in this current situation, where our thoughts are with Ron Hextall, where our thoughts are with the trade deadline coming up and where our thoughts are with the Pittsburgh Penguins bottom six. We'll talk about this and more after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Certainly a lot of people angry this morning in Pittsburgh Penguins fandom. Uh, go on to Twitter, go on to Facebook. You will see several, several people mad on the internet. Not a good look uh, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially considering what is happening around you. If you look at it in a vacuum, it's not good. If you look at it outside of the vacuum and you see everybody else adding pieces in the Eastern Conference, even the teams not in a playoff spot right now, it is not looking pretty. For the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their current situation though. 21 players on the active roster. 
They are carrying only one extra skater, which is a defenseman in Chad Ruedel. They have $1.1 million in salary cap space with still over a day until the NHL trade deadline. Horwat, do you believe Hextall is going to make another trade before the deadline? I asked Rob, kind of, sort of. We didn't really get a full answer. If he needs to save face mm-hmm. with the fan base through this trade deadline. Uh, Rob did give a very candid and He's always kind of... Ron Hexel's kind of always been uh, fighting an uphill battle because he's a former flyer. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? I, I truly do not know what he has left in the tank. <laughs> you feel like he needs to, right? Because he, he didn't improve much. Mm-hmm. He like Yeah, I just said he, the bottom six definitely got better marginally, but, I mean, it's still an mm-hmm. improvement. On paper, it still looks... Maybe it looks better on paper, definitely. I think the subtraction of McGinn to the minors to uh, Granland on the NHL ice is definitely a, an improvement on paper. <clears throat> we can see where it goes on ice from here. As for if Braun needs to make a move, I mean, he needs to, but will he? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know what? Probably not because he. Whenever he was hired, he mentioned wanting $2 million in cap space uh, for trade deadline acquisitions, for other free agency stuff, for moves. Here he is with 1.1. He's made his move. He made He's made yeah. one move in each of the last two trade deadlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Rossi said he's made five moves his entire tenure here so far. Five this trades, is now six. Yeah. Now this is six. I don't, see, I don't see another one happening. I don't. It's... He does need to. He's absolutely not going to. He wants that cap space relief, mm-hmm. and he does. It's not at the number that he wants. He's lost out on. He's lost out on Jacob Chikrin. Mm-hmm. Brock Besser is no longer on the table. Apparently, unlikely. Yeah. Uh, I, at this point, I mean, yeah, adding JT Miller does so much for your offense, but by God, $8 million. Yeah, I don't know where you're affording that. Where you're yeah. affording $8 million of, of JT Miller plus $5 million of Mikhail Granlin. Like, how can you add $13 million at the deadline when you had none to begin with? And the funny part is the $8 million doesn't even start until next season. That's what yeah. makes the JT Miller thing so horrendous that we were even in on it all. Yeah, it's seven, and I God. believe it's seven years too. So Seven years. Yeah. Stay away from that. Don't. I, oh, uh, nope. Uh, okay. <laughs> he does need to make another move, and it does need to be JT Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Domi's, I just don't think, is going to happen anymore. That dude's about to sign an extension, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all the names that could be floated around. I just don't see it happening anymore. So yeah, my answer is no. I don't see him making another move. Have fun, Pens fans. Uh, see, I react dis- accordingly. I I disagree. I think he does end up making another trade before the deadline. I think he has one more in him because you have that one point one million dollars in cap space. But lest we forget what he does have in draft stock, still he has all those first round picks in his hand. And he's if got stuff he doesn't want to move. Yeah, I, I'm I'm aware he doesn't want to, but at this point, he has to understand that the writing on the wall is that his 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 butt's gone. Like he has nothing left to fight for if he can't get the win. So I think the biggest thing for for Ron Hextall is going to be look at what you have in that first round pick. Look at what you have in 1.1 million dollars. I know it's not a lot of room to breathe, but at the same time, whenever you're going through that, there's nothing that gets salary to be retained more than a first round pick. 
So I think he might have something up his sleeve. I think there's one more move made at least. Now, whether or not that's a move that's going to help the Pittsburgh Penguins, that remains to be seen. But I do think he makes another move. Oh, yeah, because you know who it's not going to be? Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi, as we speak, uh, Elliot Freeman tweeted, he's hearing that Tyler Bertuzzi may be going to Boston. So another one off the board. That's a fit. And guess what? Another one off the board to an Eastern Conference team. The East is loading up, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are sitting in a little dinghy saying, you know what, uh, I think we're just going to try to go up against the Black Pearl and the Commodore from Pirates of the Caribbean, but we're cool in this dinghy. We can hit people with our oars. All of the analogies continued. I mean, I saw Jay Fresh tweet that the East is loading up, whereas the the Penguins are a Simpsons gif of, I forget what the kid's name is, but saying, go banana, as he throws a banana on the floor. Yeah. Um, we're the ones entering battle with the Nerf gun. Yeah, squirt saw that. gun. The uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, that the that meme of the dragon heads, mm-hmm. and there's the one derpy one. Yes, that, that's the penguins. That's gonna be the penguins. That's the penguins. They're yeah. So uh, honestly, you think he doesn't make a move? I think he does. Whether or not that helps, uh, to me, it's up in the air. Because what is the one thing we could always say about Ron Hextall? Hey, his trade deadline acquisitions have hit. I mean, Jeff Carter, when he acquired him, it hit. The extension, he got in trouble. Ricard Raquel, that ex- acquiring him at the deadline, that hit. The extension, still still pretty good to this point, but very long. There's a lot of time for that to turn negative. But as of right now, that's a positive thing. This one, from the second you acquire, Mikhail Granlin. The player on the ice, maybe he's good. But he's never going to make that a positive trade. He's never – it's going to be very difficult. I don't want to say never. I don't want to put him in a box like that. It's going to be very difficult for Mikhail Granlin to perform well enough to make that trade a positive move for Ron Hextall's ledger. Yes, and you know what part of it might be? is because of the culmination of what has happened to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Like the culmination of things that had happened, or I guess I should say didn't happen for those fire Hextall chants to ring out at PPG Paints Arena against Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Mm-hmm. It was the culmination of so many things not happening in, on Ron Hextall's part to force that. This is now a deal that I, I'll keep going back to. Mikel Granlund can be something. He mm-hmm. can still do something in this league. The money is a bit high. We make this trade far earlier in the season. We go, okay, you got to have more moves up your sleeve. Let's see what Granlund can do. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that you waited until within 48 hours of the deadline. You waited until all of the big-name pieces that you were maybe looking at mm-hmm. gone. Or RJT Miller. <laughs> it's It was the culmination of being patient, being patient, waiting for the price to drop. According to this tweet, by the way, from David Pagnota, also while we were sitting here recording, um, Chickren's agent said... There were a number of balls in the air. There were multiple teams who offered two first-round picks and players. Mm-hmm. He didn't get traded for two first-round picks. Yeah. Now, that kind of throws a little wrench into, oh, what, what, who it, threw did, the two? Yeah, the Penguins might have thrown the two first-round picks, but the, the Coyotes, like we said at the beginning of the show, they didn't want to take a player back. They didn't want to keep salary coming back, and, and the Senators provided that to Penguins, whether or not they actually – went out and and put the two first round picks on the table 
they were probably going to need to, until they made the Teddy Bluger trade, they were going to need to uh, trade somebody else, move other uh, other salary, and they weren't able to. So uh, when you look at the trade deadline and when you look at Ron Hextall this season as a whole, I think while I don't know the plan, I said it yesterday, and, and Rob said neither did FSG for the longest time, which was great. Um, even though I don't know the plan, as of right now, what I can make out is the plan was for Ron Hextall was hope. Hope, for the most for the longest time, hope that this team will correct its own mistakes and fix themselves. Because he didn't make a move, he liked it on paper, he was hoping that it would turn around and get better as the season went on, he didn't have to make a move. Hoping that they would get to the point where he would just have to add one piece to really push them over the top. That hope never happened. Because they were still multiple pieces away from being a top contender the week before the deadline. And at that point, that was his breaking point. He said, okay, I lost hope in that, but maybe I can hope for something else. Hope for somebody to take Kasperi Kaplan. Oh, they did. Maybe I can hope for somebody to take Brock McGinn or, or, or Mark Friedman too. That way I have cap space to make a move. Let's hope that somebody bails me out. That didn't happen. A lot of failed hope on Ron Hextall's part. I don't know what his plan is, like I said. But from the outside looking in, a lot of it is just based on close your eyes and hope. Hope that somebody bails you out, whether that's other GMs, whether that's the team on the ice. Hope that they can play better than they're supposed to be playing because they're not that good. Hope that, especially the bottom six. I don't want to say they're not that good. Top six is phenomenal. Goaltending at points has been good. Defensive points has been good. Bottom six has been horrible from game one to game 60. That's where we're at with them. The hope was Ron Hextall's plan. And as a general manager in the NHL, if that's your plan, you need to get out of this league, get out of this sport, go sit on a beach with a corona. He needs to not be heard from again, is basically what I'm saying, because he is not an NHL mind. Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts said last week about Ron Hextall, he's not a guy that's going to go make a desperation move because he's on his last leg. Because if he does that, then that's a horrible thing on his resume if it doesn't work out for the next job. Who is going to be stupid enough to hire Ron Hextall after he destroyed the Philadelphia Flyers organization and after what he has displayed here in less than three years in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. If your team hires Ron Hextall, I'm speaking to the future. If your team has just hired Ron Hextall, switch allegiances because it's not going to go well. Your team's not going to win a Stanley Cup. Your team might not make the playoffs ever again because unlike the Penguins, you probably don't have two Hall of Fame talents and another all-world talent on defense. So your team is probably screwed. Ron Hextall is not an NHL general manager. He isn't now. He never has been. He's never had a good resume, and that's not going to change anytime soon. He should be fired, honestly, by now already. He should be gone. FSG and their absentee ownership aside, he should be gone. The point is, he might have to make another move. He is a bad general manager. And if he's not fired by the offseason, I think you have to have serious consideration as to whether or not this team is ever going to be good again under the tutelage of Fenway Sports Group. Not only that, but let's not forget just <clears throat> how depressing it is watching uh, <clears throat> the last. We got three left, two left of Crosby after this one, five left of Latang after this one, three left of Malkin after this one. Mm -hmm. We're assuming no matter what, Sidney Crosby resigns a new deal to kind of line up with either Latang or Malkin. Just, a, just an assumption, unless he, unless some scary things happen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to put that evil in everybody's mind. Yeah. But just but 
much like Ron, or Rob Rossi said with us yesterday, there's no way. There's no way this core is happy right now. No. I said earlier there's no way Mike Sullivan is happy right now. Mm-hmm. I texted you. I texted you and Doug. Again, Galaxy Brain tinfoil hat thing. Let's assume Ron Hextall isn't fired and this all happens again next year. <laughs> Mike Sullivan's new contract did not has not started yet at the end of next season. Mm-hmm. Do you think he tries to find a way out if he even can? I actually think, and this is my hot take that I talked about earlier. I think Mike Sullivan, we only see it in a couple sports. Bill Belichick is an example. Head coach and general manager. Now that I like. <clears throat> Mike Sullivan, you look at the backing he has from Fenway Sports Group. You look at the obvious tension between he and Ron Hextall when it comes to players this year. The Jacob Chikorin thing that came out last week was the big red flag. I don't know if if Mike Sullivan has any interest in it. I really don't. He has never said that he has interest in becoming a general manager. Most coaches don't have interest in being the general manager. They're just there because they like to coach the game. It's a very difficult transition sometimes to go from the behind the benches up into the general manager suite. Barry Trotz is going to do it next year for the Nashville Predators. Maybe where Mike Sullivan is at, he signed that contract. Todd Reardon got named associate coach instead of assistant coach, which means he's taking on more responsibilities, which might free up Mike Sullivan in the future to become coach slash general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, that is a a conspiracy theory on my part. That is just a thought on my part. That is not substantiated by any reporting from anywhere. So don't take this as a report. Take this for what it was. This is just my opinion that I'm sharing based on the lay of the land that I'm watching. Mike Sullivan, we know he's not getting fired. There's a reason that they signed him to a three-year extension when he had two years left. He's not Fenway's, getting fired by Fenway. When, when Fenway came in, they said he was one of two people safe. Yeah, him and Sidney Crosby, one of the greatest players in the history of the game. That should tell you all you need to know about what Fenway thinks of him. So I don't know if he has interest in it. I don't know if he'd be a good general manager. But what I do know is he's a great head coach, and the ownership loves him. So, again, tinfoil hat, maybe. Does it have any truth to it? Not at the moment in real life. Do I think it could be something that happens? 100%. There's, it's, I don't hate it. I mean, it's, it's a just, hot take. Again, I had one last, I had one last Thursday. I have one this Thursday. Maybe I'll just Thursday hot takes. That's what I'll try to do every week. This is a franchise who isn't afraid, at least, you know, historically, isn't afraid to have play people with multiple titles, i.e. Mario Lemieux, owner player i.e. Jim Rutherford, President of Hockey Operations General Manager. Now, that's something that happens more often, but still. Yeah, I think I think we've had a coach GM before. They're not afraid to put power in the hands of the players. I believe Eddie Johnston is the guy you're thinking of, potentially. Yeah, so it, it's, this is a, <clears throat> and that, and coach GM might be more common than I'm thinking of. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm very. Brian Belichick, or Bill Belichick. Who am I thinking? Brian? Who's Brian? Is Brian his little son? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm very, like, you know, in the zone right now of thinking about this team right now. I don't really know how historically common a coach GM is, but obviously that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan, I think, would be a decent one. I think that'd be very interesting. Clearly he wanted to go out and get Jacob Chickard. Picks be damned. And yeah. that's a good that's a good move. One thing, another <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. And I know that this episode's hitting fifty minutes. We're going a little long. Don't care. It's well worth it today. Yeah. One thing that Elliot Friedman said on Thirty Two Thoughts as well, when discussing the idea of Ron Hextall not wanting in on Chikrin while Mike Sullivan wanting in. Coaches aren't in the 
uh, green banana business. As in, coaches want the player that is ready right now to be put input into their lineup. They always say, picks can go out the window. We want the players who can perform on the ice to win right now. Because most coaches don't have the security that Mike Sullivan has. Coaches get flipped around, as you say all the time. Coaches have a very short shelf life in the NHL. Mike Sullivan is an exception to that rule. Yeah, whereas, uh, yeah, coaches are in the yellow banana business, he would say. Mm -hmm. Whereas GMs are perfectly fine with the green bananas. They're willing to see the fruits of their labor come and ripen and, you know, crack the team. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an interesting dynamic that that makes total sense Mm -hmm. for this team. Because, like I said, their core players have only so many years left. Mm -hmm. And who knows? If they're going to have this kind of season again. Yeah. You never you never knows? know when that shoe's going to drop and they're just going to start aging very quickly. We were all surprised Chris Letang had a career year last year. Yeah. First round exit. He comes back this year. Things aren't just good. Off ice. Many off ice situations that we wouldn't wish upon our worst enemies happen. Mm-hmm. But here he is back, in the, back on the ice and putting together a pretty good back half. Sidney Crosby was in the MVP race until Connor McDavid decided to just eat the world alive. Yeah. Um, and Evgeny Malkin, chugging right along. Both of those players, Malkin and Crosby, have not missed a game this season. You know how rare that is? When's the last time both of them played all 82 games in the season? Hold on. Hitting every single piece of wood that's in my vicinity. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yes, as you should. But yeah, the last time those two both played 82 games, I couldn't tell you. It, I don't think it's ever happened. It, I don't it think... might not have ever happened. Just by sheer fact of maybe someone playing in 81. But, I mean, this is one of those years where the Penguins are in a wild card spot. They might need that 82nd game. They might. So there you go. And if you really want another update, because we were talking lineups, who's in, who's out tonight. According to Dave Molinari, the latest version of the Penguins media notes for the game tonight no longer includes Drake Kajula. But Mikel Granlin is also not listed. So, so they might have to go with 11 forwards, 7 defensemen. So we will see game. where things go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still time left before the trade deadline. There's still hope. There's still hope somewhere in this team, I'm mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah. The players will always say we have we have to work with the group that we have. Yeah, we can control what we can control, which is our performance. And you know what? And the guys, most of the guys in the room doing a pretty good job of that controlling what they can mm-hmm. good on Danton Heinen for sitting out that long coming back and recording a couple points uh two of the past three games he has been impressive yeah good on Danton Heinen for doing all that we didn't even discuss by the way Brock McGinn after getting waived breaks his scoreless streak he does with a beautiful pass yes that changes the entire tie to that game and practically gives the Penguins like a massive reason as to why the Penguins got two points on Tuesday Absolutely. Good on Brock McGinn. We made it 55 minutes without even bringing that up. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> there's been a lot that's happened between then and now. And uh, and again, we, all the things we've said that and now, none of it is against Mikel Granlin. None of it is against Brock McGinn. We've badmouthed Brock McGinn enough this season. Yeah. None of it is against Danton Heinen. We've badmouthed him a lot earlier in the year. And he, all of them, professionals. They're doing what they can. Yeah. Uh, and, man, I, this... This team drives me crazy. I'm excited to see what the, what the future holds mm-hmm. in many different ways. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, hopefully a lot of it <clears throat> doesn't hold Ron Hextall. Yeah. So 
under 30 hours now until the NHL's trade deadline. The current bottom six for the Pittsburgh Penguins, if Granlund gets to the team in time, obviously. Uh, the current bottom six reads Heinen, Granlund, Carter, O'Connor, Paling, Archibald. I like the fourth line. The third line is an improvement because Carter is better on the wing than he is at center. And I think with Granlin, as we've talked about, being a very good facilitator, very smart on the ice with his passing, very crisp passing, very good facilitator, and Heinen's ability to be a trigger man, that might work for something. That might create a little bit more offense in the bottom six. So that's something to keep an eye on. And also, if no other moves are made between now and the NHL trade deadline, there are three players that you can expect will be on the list of names to watch for in potential call-ups. Drake Kajula is obviously one of them. He was held out from Wednesday's game at Wilkes-Barre, potentially to be a call-up for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He has 37 points in 47 games, including 12 goals. Then the other two guys who Ron Hextall mentioned several times in his press conference late last week, Valtteri Pustinen, 45 points in 53 games, and Alex Nylander, 48 points in 52 games. Those are three players that could fit under the salary cap if the Penguins would like to make another move and add another forward which they would probably need to, considering they only have 12 on the active roster right now, and it's kind of hard to go around road trips and, and try to play in games when you don't have that extra forward in the on the roster. But The game notes that I just got has 11. Has 11. So they're going to go 11 forward, 7 defensemen. The last time they did that was the Winter Classic. Oh, yay! And Kasperi Kapanen was the only one to score a goal in that game. Yeah. So... Uh, but I believe, Master class. if I remember correctly, and again, this is just me trying to dig back in the archives, the first game of last season against Tampa Bay Lightning, I believe the Penguins played with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, and they won that game by a score of 6-3. to three. So, maybe. That, that, that doesn't end, end the chances of getting a win on the road against the Lightning, but the Lightning are going to be looking for revenge after what the Penguins did to them on Sunday afternoon. They opened the season a forward down. I don't remember that. Uh, Jake Gensel, well, Crosby was out, Malkin was out, and Jake Gensel Rust had COVID. Oh, and Rust was out, so that makes sense. Oh, Rust is right there. What was I saying? Anyway. Oh, because this was on the road. Rust. The home opener, Rust was out. I'm talking about last season. 2021? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think you get pictures from the home opener where Rust was injured. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's why. Because we right. started in Florida for some reason for a pair of games and came back home against Chicago. And Rust is not in the lineup, <clears throat> along with, obviously, Crosby and Malkin. I believe Rust. Yeah, Rust. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I'm looking at the roster. I don't know. I'm that's just... going to that's gonna do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We've talked a lot today. Uh, we're going to save something for next week, potentially. There's still time to make a move for Rod Hextall. If he does, just keep it here on our feed, Tip of the Iceberg podcast, where you can find this show. Penguins to go visit us on YouTube at inside the penguins. We're up to 750 subscribers. It would be nice to get to a thousand before the end of the regular season. That'd be uh, that's the goal right there, but that's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>